This episode of Commentary, Trek Stars, is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. This is J.G. Hertzler, General Martalker on Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 3 of Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. Today is Part 3 in our series on Larry Nemechek as an author, where we will be looking at his second book, Stellar Cartography. I'm Mike. I'm Max. And today we're joined by Steve from Tribbles in Ecstasy. How's it going, Steve? Very well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. So, so Trivels and Ecstasy, that's over on Hollow Suite Media, correct? That's correct, yes. And can you just kind of describe what, what that show is? Um, it's a podcast mainly about Star Trek Online, um, which is the Star Trek MMO. Um, but we also cover sort of anything to do with Trek that's sort of in the news. And we try and sort of do interviews with things that are going on in Trek, um, as well as sort of um, developers from Star Trek Online. And naturally you do all of this while on ecstasy. <laughs> Never. Okay, that's just that's the triples. The, the company line. <laughs> Wait, are the triples on ecstasy or are they in ecstasy? Well, They're in ecstasy, right? Sometimes you never know. Okay. <laughs> they are right. in ecstasy, yes. <laughs> and it, it seems like, yeah, you do have like a lot of interviews and stuff with with people who actually work on the game and everything that's that's pretty cool yeah um i i've never gotten into star trek online unfortunately it's one of those things which looks super cool but which i know i would have absolutely zero time for i played a few i played played a little while ago i i I decided to try it out Mm -hmm. and i've tried a lot of mmos and a lot of them like instantly i'm like "Mm, no that's too much stuff and and I, I started playing it, and I was like, wow, this is actually really, really, really complicated. <laughs> and, I like, and I was like, I could probably make it through here, but like, I, I did do the time reckoning. I thought, I, I just, I would like to be good at this and have fun in it, but I don't think I have the time to do that. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Um, what about it, Star Trek in general? Uh, like, how did you... This is something that we like to do with all of our, our first-time guests. You know, how, how did you get into the series in the first place? And, and what's your, your relationship with the show on the whole? Well, um, growing up, my brothers used to sort of watch it every now and then. So, used to see the odd sort of episode of TOS, TNG, or DS9. Um, but that was sort of it until sort of about 96... Um, when I started watching Voyager, um, probably around season three, and yeah, sort of really enjoyed it and basically started from there. Um, so, sort of watched all of Voyager and then sort of started catching up with all the rest. So I've watched, I think, all of TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise. The only ones I haven't done is the animated series, and I've watched some of TOS. 
Okay, so you haven't seen any animated series at all? No, not at all. Watch Yesteryear and skip the other yeah. 21. But yesteryear, <laughs> yesteryear is really, really good, though. Okay, it's not that good. It's good enough. So it's it's very... It, it, it deserves a place in the canon. Let's put it that way. So so what would you say... It sounds like Voyager was, was your, your entry point, but what, what would you say is your favorite show? Um, I think it's still Voyager. I always liked the fact that um, they had the sort of backstory of trying to get sort of home because um, of course it was back in the time when sort of most TV series it was always very episodic it, you had one thing that happened and most of the time it never sort of carried over and sort of for me Voyager was the first one of those TV series that sort of attempted to sort of do that um, sort of there are sort of especially these days you get some really good sort of TV series that have good story arcs that sort of carry out not just throughout the one sort of season, but sort of multiple. But I think especially for the time, it sort of, sort of really is sort of identified with me, especially as sort of when I was young, I sort of moved down from my family from Scotland. So I was away from home. So I sort of identified with the crew sort of a little bit. So, um, yeah, I sort of really identified with sort of Voyager and sort of just enjoyed it from then on. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that, that's one of the things which uh, Larry has talked about on multiple occasions is that whatever your, your first show is tends to be your favorite show, and um, that, that seems to play out. Um, I think it's wrong. That shouldn't be the way it is. Well, maybe it should People need to stop. Maybe it shouldn't be, but... People need to stop liking things because they were young when they first <laughs> experienced them. Well, I'm totally guilty of that, so, you know, <laughs> what can you do? My favorite food is Pop Rocks! What?! I said it. Hey, you know, you can't really argue with that. I just did. All right. Um, so what about uh, Larry Nemechek? Now, I, everyone's a fan of Larry, of course, if you're a Star Trek fan. H- had you read the, the Next Generation Companion or, or maybe the, the Star Trek Communicator or any of those things? Um, no, I haven't. Um, until about a year and a half ago, I really didn't read anything at all. It'd been about two decades since I'd actually read a book properly. Um, but through um, the G&T show, um, I started sort of getting interested in what some of the storylines they were talking about were sort of going on in these books because um, they sort of continued on from the TV series. So when they started up their book club, I joined that podcast. And... Um, yeah, I've started reading sort of all these Star Trek novels. So that was the sort of first introduction to sort of Star Trek lit that I had. But uh, yeah, this book, um, Stellar Cartography, is the first book I've actually read of Larry's. So I've sort of seen him online, heard him on sort of interviews with other podcasts and sort of tweeted with him and things like that. But yeah, this is the first time I've actually sort of read something of his. Okay, cool. Well, um, let's just segue into the book then. Um, Stellar Cartography, it's a book which came out about a year ago, well, maybe a little less than a year ago, and basically it's the, the full title is Stellar Cartography Selections from the Federation Astronomy Library. And basically, uh, well, Max, do you want to describe what this book is? Well, I mean, the long and short of it is that it's um, basically a... A kind of weird form of atlas, mm-hmm. 
where uh, there's a, a various types of maps, and they are in radically different scales. Everyone is slightly different. They are also in different like art styles. Yeah, very few of them are like digital looking. Mm-hmm. They all look like they were made by a person, and it's um, it's it's lo- it's largely kind of just an art book, an illustrated book that has like content like has like content about those maps and like why they were made this way. There's there's sort of an odd like confluence of like artistic inspiration and. And like like expanded universe codification going on at the same time, where it is kind of an art book, but it's an art book inspired by Star Trek continuity. Yeah, and it, there's there's basically two pieces to the book. There's um, the book itself, you know, which is actually pretty short, and it has all the maps in there. But then mm-hmm. in the package is also like the giant unfoldable maps right. that you you know. If like you unfold them size. in your car, you wouldn't be able to drive because they'd be in front of the, the, the window. Right. Yeah, they're, they're like poster-sized maps, which you could hang up they're on like your wall. They're like king-sized, mattress-sized maps. <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty big. They're pretty big. Um, and I think that's kind of like what the big draw is. But then there's all of this uh, this tech stuff that, that Larry did, um, which is really interesting, too. And now we should note that... Um, the text is by Larry, but the illustrations are by Ian Fullwood, Ali Rees, and Jeffrey Mandel. So they're they're the ones they're the artists who actually made the maps themselves. So um, they're really good because they don't um, repeat their art styles. No, yeah, so and, actually and they, rather impressive how well they're able to hide their own tendencies. Right, and they all have sort of like an in-universe. Uh, context for for that particular style yeah so in terms of the book itself uh steve what, what did you think first about the maps themselves i love the maps um one thing that i've been doing is so as i said i've been sort of trying to watch um, some of the tos because i hadn't really watched that um series and i've actually been doing a lot of that watching with my six-year-old son so what we've actually been doing is when they actually go to a planet, we've actually been using the big maps to try and locate the planets that they're actually going to. And we sort of follow the, um, the Enterprise <laughs> as it's sort of going along. Um, so my son's really enjoyed that. But yeah, I think the maps are very impressive, um, especially you've got um, one big one, which is basically part of the Alpha Quadrant. And then you've got another big one, which sort of basically could sit next to it because that's then sort of beta quadrant and um yeah it's sort of very detailed and it's got most of the places on there as well so it's sort of just something nice and different to do with my son as well yeah yeah that's really cool what about you max what do you think about the maps well i mean i i know that like there was a time in my life where i i would get excited about something if there was a map included i read books because they had because of the map that was in the first few pages if i saw a cool map i'd be like wow that seems like a cool thing to do so there's some part of my brain that really responds to the idea of like a fictional environment that has a defined geography and star trek's geography has been so muddled and screwed up and backwards and folded in on itself and reared random angles for so long. I am, I'm kind of just excited by somebody finally saying, like, this is how far Kronos is from Earth. 
let us never forget that this is how long it takes to get there. Mm-hmm. I like that. That I get I get very excited about that. I mean like the the actual like description of the history is um like really surprising. The, I, it's, well, it's like all actually from the content. Well, we we can that get blew it, my mind. We can get into that in a minute. Yeah. Um but yeah, for me I, the the maps I think are are beautiful and and at the same time I have kind of a, this uh I wouldn't say love hate relationship with them, but but there's like this this thing about them where it's just like that was one of the reasons why I was sort of like skeptical about picking up these books or this book is because I'm like it's so big, I don't know what to do with it, you know? And then I pulled out the first map. <laughs> yeah, I know that's what she said. <laughs> then I pulled out the first map and and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is beautiful. I obviously I need to hang this up on my wall." And I'm like, where can I hang it up? I can't hang it up anywhere on my wall. I don't have any space for it at all. You know? No, no, that's impossible. It's impossible. I could hang it up on my wall. Yeah. Well, but I've got some space on my walls. Well, I'm not letting you hang it up on your <laughs> wall. I'm saving it for when I have more wall space. But it's, so there's this thing where it's like I have this amazing piece of art sitting in a box and I want to display it, but I can't because I don't have anywhere to put it, you know? Actually, I, I, yeah, I just yesterday I was in a craft store and I saw a little hexagon punch tool, and I was like, oh my god, I know what to do now. <laughs> it was just like I'm gonna get like one of those the, the the biggest version of one of those maps possible, and print it out on cardboard and then pop out hexagonal tiles from the entire thing, and make a game out of it. Well, that's actually something which Larry has talked about. He said that he wants, like, yeah. the tabletop people to be able to use these maps to play yeah. a game. And, now, Steve, and I mean, it's got to be on a hex grid. Otherwise, it's not geeky enough. Okay. So, so now, Steve, I, I know that, that you're obviously into the online gaming. Have, have you heard of anything in your travels about people actually doing this? Um, no, I haven't. Um, but so just going back to the maps quickly one thing that really amazed me was the amount of detail and effort that must have gone into them because you think about all the episodes that have been and all the discussions about how far things were and everything else but also sort of like effort like for example in Enterprise the Delphic Expanse one of the big sort of complaints when that came out it's just like well where the hell did that come from (laughs) sort of all the other sort of Star Trek series never in- mentioned it at all when it's just like where was it and I think they've sort of based it that it's on a sort of different axis um, and yeah it, I think the amount of effort that sort of went in to try and get it sort of so accurate to sort of go along with the series um, was just amazing yeah and, and and that kind of leads into our next topic which would be you know the text portion of the book which is, you know, the stuff that Larry did. And um, this, to me, was kind of like a hidden gem. I mean, last week when we were talking about the Next Generation Companion, we talked about how, or I talked about how, at least, you know, I I had bought that book for the episode guide portion. And uh, what I found uh, really to be great about it was the -the behind-the-scenes info. And stellar cartography is kind of a, a similar scenario for me because... On the other side of the fourth wall. Right. The other side of the fourth wall, yes. 
stellar cartography is kind of a, a similar scenario for me with that because I thought all I was getting was maps. And, you know, I didn't really know what Larry's contribution to this thing was. I assumed that there'd be a few little paragraphs or something. But really, there are two-page descriptions of every single map. And and, dish, and a lot of stuff that's, like, I mean, like, pertinent? Like, that's, like, relates to the map, but isn't really, like cartographical data essentially what it is is it becomes like a history of the the federation yeah and and the various uh, other empires and 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 whatnot surrounding uh, the federation and that i found to be really interesting uh, like the stuff about the romulan war was really eye-opening to me because i had never really considered what that was on sort of an event um scale uh but w- steve what did you think about the the text portion um yeah it was really good now what i liked about it is it's written as if it's a historian sort of going back looking at these maps um it's not just saying oh this happened at this point in history and things like that it's like um, a historian doing a project on sort of the federation and the history of the federation and sort of what these maps mean. Because on each map you've got sort of a source, where it came from, where it's stored, the year, and all this other information with it. And all this text sort of explains sort of what this map is showing and sort of how it relates to points in time. And it was really good the way it sort of really linked in to all the television shows, um, sort of just bringing all that information in so as i said i sort of i've been reading it to my six-year-old so it's a good way to sort of introduce him to the different storylines so every now and then then he'd sort of ask some questions about what that was and i'd sort of tell him a little bit about the episode it was related to and um yeah it was just a very nice summary of basically each and every series that there has been of star trek um and it sort of goes all the way up to the Hobus sort of explosion as well um, and of course it's all done as I said from a historian's point of view so for example you get that Ambassador Spock has died so uh, whereas if you watch the movie we know that of course he went through the black hole and of course for another example is when it comes to DS9 when Cisco is trying to get the Romulans into the war um, with Garak but you don't sort of hear about what happened in that episode because it's like from the historian's point of view. So you just get that what the result was that basically the Romans came into the war because they thought that they were going to be deceived, um, which I just right. found so interesting because it wasn't literally just grabbing what had happened in the episodes and it was taken from a point of view from a, like a historian um, the entire way through. And it was just sort of very consistent in that way and just sort of an enjoyable read from that sort of perspective. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like the the, the historian writing this, this text does not know that it's a fake. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, there are a lot of places in this book where like I, I want to ask, I want to ask Larry, like, how did you decide, how did you figure out how to respond to this situation, especially... With the, like, post-2009 Prime Universe history. Mm-hmm. 
Because that is just the weirdest part in that book. Where, like, this book takes place in that universe that we kind of can't get to now. But that is sort of indicative of how the the expanded universe stuff has been. You know, most of the, the yeah. novels and everything, do, well, all of the novels do take place in that prime timeline. Yeah, and... That and that's isn't that where is uh, very interesting. <laughs> doesn't Star Trek Online take place in the prime timeline too? Yeah, Star Trek Online takes place forty years after, um, I think, the, um, where the two thousand and nine film um, starts. So um, it's based in that future timeline as well. Yeah, it was interesting seeing. I mean, reading this stuff, I, I learned so much about the fictional history of Star Trek that I never knew. And maybe that's me being a bad Trekkie. I don't know. But, like, <laughs> I, I, I did not know that, that Earth was the dividing line between the Alpha and Beta Quadrant and that most stuff is in the Beta Quadrant. I, that's that's weird. I also didn't know... Considering the Voyager hit the Beta Quadrant by Season 4. Did they? Okay. All right. But still, I mean, they also say, like, this is only, like, 2% of the entire Beta Quadrant. So... Yep. And then, and then there's also the whole thing with, um, like I was saying before, the, the Romulan War. Like, I did not realize how close that was to Enterprise, you know? I mean, basically, like, if... Well, it was, like, the... the it would have been, like, five years after they left. Right. So, so it would so have it been the been, next season. It would have been, yeah, like, the next season is, would have started the Romulan War. Although, well, I don't know that would have been where that. that might not have been. I don't. Know, I don't know if that's where the war started, but that's definitely where like the Romulans got no, it, involved. It, it was. I mean, they they said it was like three and a half years, and I looked at it and I'm like, that would be like seasons like, I don't know, maybe it would be like season six, seven, and eight, or something like that. I, yeah, I think I, I think that what happened is that the first Romulan incident happened. Yeah, five years after that, the first War Five ship. See, now, like, for, for all those years, like, you know, I was, everyone's like, we need a, an Enterprise Season 5, and I was always like, that, what, what are you guys talking about? You know, not, not that I wouldn't want an Enterprise Season 5, but, like, that, that was obviously never going to happen. They pretty much flat out said Season 4 is the end when they were making it, but now I'm like, we need an Enterprise Season 5. Come on, Netflix, let's for get the, on that. For the Romulan War? Yeah, I, I did not realize that they had such... I always thought that the Romulan War was, like, midway between Enterprise and, and But honestly, what, what, what's, what about the Romulan War? It seems like good TV. I, I just... Uh, seeing Archer's involvement in it, I don't know. I just think it would be interesting. I, I, don't, know. I don't know. I think the wars, generally speaking, are kind of boring TV. Maybe, but then also <laughs> what he was saying about it ba- basically being broken up into three major battles... Mm-hmm. You could do it like they were talking about doing and having it as a, a trilogy of movies. So that that would be cool, too. Mm-hmm. Well, so. one of the things that I found interesting about the book, because I've recently spoken to Tommy Craft, who's doing the fan production of Star Trek Horizon, which is actually based at the end of the Earth-Romulan War um, point in time, is sort of all the discussion about the different battles and things like that. And I think what... He, um, Tommy Craft is doing with his production fits in very well with what's actually sort of put into the TV series and what's even in the book because I think it sort of fits in quite sort of nicely with that. That's pretty cool. Well, at least maybe we'll we'll get uh, some 
telling of, of the story, even if it's not an official one. That would be cool to see, for sure. Um, is he bringing in, like, the Enterprise people into that, or is it going to be, like, uh, um, different? Part of the funding he was asking for um, after he met, um, hit his target um, was if he got up to, I think it was 25,000, he was going to try and get... Um, the voices of Jonathan Archer and Trip and that, or um, a couple of other people into the show if possible. So he was going to try and use some of that money to sort of pay the actors to sort of come in. Um, so I think he nearly got there. I'm not sure because I think it only just ended yesterday. So so now, Steve, we've talked about this a little bit, but you know, you've said that you're um, or that you did read the the book with your with your six year old, and I'm I'm just curious like how much star trek had you shown him prior to that he's watched um sort of probably about a dozen episodes um sort of mainly tos because that's what i'm doing the rewatch on but i think he's seen a couple of episodes of voyager um and one or two of tng as well um but he plays star trek online as well um, oh really yeah Whoa, spoilers. See, see, that's that's my fear, is that, you know, I would play Star Trek online, and then this six-year-old would be way better at it than me, and then I'd just be like, okay, I need it. I, I, can't, I can't deal with this. You're considering he'd be, like, running some unallied ship. Right. He's got a bunch of really awesome crew members, and mm-hmm. he just, like, like knocks into you and, like, docks and boards your ship, takes all your dilithium crystals mm-hmm. and leaves you to die. Exactly. It sounds awesome. Inevitably, that You've got to teach your kid to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And when Mike starts playing, I will tip you off to his location. <laughs> now, obviously, they get into a lot of things in, in, in this book, and they deal with it in sort of a very general, broad scale, but there are things which we know the the sort of personal story behind from having seen the shows so as you've been going through this book with him have you been saying like oh well see that's from a time when captain kirk did blah 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 um yeah there's um, a couple of times when um i sort of told him that this relates to things that had happened in this series and this series um so i sort of was telling him sort of in sort of broad strokes what sort of had happened on the TV um, and that um, I'd eventually get around to showing him and um, sort of letting him watch it himself. It'll be interesting to see as he gets older having this this knowledge and especially the way that kids are where they become like obsessed with a particular thing. I mean like if if I saw this book when I was a kid I was the same Mm -hmm. way with Star Wars when I was a kid you know like I'm guessing that assuming that he, he continues to be interested in the subject, that he will know more about the history of the Federation from this book than pretty much anyone else would going into actually watching these things. It'll be interesting to see how that influences his uh, his take on the, the show itself. Yeah, well, this book is actually his present. Um, I actually got it for him for Christmas because that's when it was released um, here in the UK. Um, that's a good trick. <laughs> um, it's just I knew he'd got some big posters so um, when he's a little bit older and I know he's not going to try drawing over them and things like that and we've sort of we redecorate his bedroom which we will eventually do um, I don't the know intent... writing your own name on a map is a pretty Klingon <laughs> thing to do 
Um, but yeah, the intention is that we'll actually put some of these um, sort of maps up and actually hang them properly. Um, but yeah, it's just um, for his birthday, um, I actually got him a Star Trek visual encyclopedia, which we've been sort of reading together. Um, so it's got sort of lots of pictures and sort of information about sort of the different weapons and ships and species. So we've sort of been going through reading that as well. Um, so it's something that I enjoy doing with him is sort of reading these sort of books and this information because it's something we can do together. But it's also a way that he practices his reading as well because he gets to read. The funny thing is, is he's actually been reading this book to me as well because he'll sort of read a paragraph or two at a time and then I'll read some. Um, but yeah, it's sort of like he'll read entire paragraphs and get all the big complicated words, um, sort of like quadrants, species and sort of so all these different things correct and then he'd sort of struggle on like against um which <laughs> i just thought was absolutely wonderful so he's got all the techie <laughs> words he can recognize and read perfectly <laughs> that's pretty cool so so when when you do show the show to him is it just going to be scattershot you know like an episode here an episode there or are you going to do it in like a specific order at the moment it's just scattered but eventually what i want to do is literally do everything all in order and both of us just do a complete rewatch of everything from the beginning um onwards yeah just one last thing about that is um i I was talking to larry online you know about this and i said oh yeah you know we're gonna have uh this guy on who's you know using the book to to teach his his kid about star trek his six-year-old about star trek and larry was just like shut the frack up that's amazing i oh my god that's the coolest thing i ever heard so so yeah he's i think on a low level he's thinking like that guy really does not want to gamble with this he wants to guarantee his son is a nerd (laughs) well from the age of four he was already doing the vulcan salute um because he saw it on tv and he goes what is that i said well that's the vulcan salute and i showed him and he goes, and he was struggling to do it, so he's using the other hand to do it. And literally yeah. within about five weeks, he was actually doing the Vulcan salute. And then he was trying to teach himself to do it with the other hand. So, yeah, now he can do the Vulcan <laughs> salute with both hands. And he keeps all going to my wife, Mummy, can you do the Vulcan salute yet? It's just like, no. <laughs> God, that sounds adorable. <laughs> but he's also been trying to teach his friends at school because... Um, at playtime, they'll go and play Star Trek, as he says. Um, so it's basically some of them will pretend to be Federation, some of them will pretend to be Klingon, and they'll should go run round going pew pew pew. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Steve, any final thoughts on stellar cartography? Um, I think it's uh, especially if you're new to Star Trek, it's a very good way to really introduce yourself to what the Federation is and what it's about and basically what all the tv series are basically sort of well it's what it's all based on because it ties in all the different storylines um into sort of um showing you what happens really and what um it's all based on so yeah i'd definitely give it a read um and even if you have sort of watched all the tv series sort of as we've all said we sort of learn about sort of the Romulan War and it sort of t- shows us how sort of these different worlds sort of are sort of near these other places that we may have not noticed before and and 
especially for the maps, they are just beautiful pieces of work as well, not just the writing. Um, so yeah, I'd definitely go out and buy it. All right, Max, what about you? Um, I agree with a lot, almost all. Yeah, it's it's obviously really interesting to have. I mean, if you're a Star Trek fan, you'll be interested in it. Like, I was actually shocked over and over again by how much I didn't know about, like, basic Star Trek history. Yeah. And some of it's, like, really weird. And... And the thing about, like, your son who's six years old reading this thing sounds impossible to me because I was, like, getting confused all the time. <laughs> I was like, okay, Vulcan guy, name starts with S, ends with Ak. That's, like, half of them. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and like, I, like, there were a lot of places where I was like, what? That's not true. That can't be real. And I would look it up, and I'm like, how is that? How did I not know that? <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a lot of that in this book, and it's basically, like, every couple pages... There's something that I had never thought of or heard of before. Yeah. And I did end up looking up most of them and confirming that they are, in fact, true, which is super crazy. And, like, obviously Larry Nemechek has an amazing ability to, like, you know, process information and collate it in some intelligent way. But, like, if I had that job, I would have lost my mind. (laughs) I'd have been like, this is stupid. I'm not doing that. His name was Bill. He made the planet go away. Who cares? Let's move on. I mean, for me, I, I agree with you guys, too. You know, like I was saying before, you know, I, I do think that the the maps themselves are amazing pieces of art and, and very informative in terms of placing things and, and and everything like that. But to me, like, the, the hidden gem in this set really is Larry's text uh, because it, I, I just wasn't expecting it. Not that not that's not to take away from the maps at all it's just i knew what i was getting with the maps i didn't know what i was getting you knew you were going to get cool right. dope looking maps yeah i didn't but you wouldn't have a place to put them but you'd have them for a long time before you finally gave up and just threw some posters up exactly yeah. and and i knew that i was getting that i i didn't know that i was getting you know all of this you know in universe history which which is super cool and it really I it think, will really impress people at very specific parties. Yeah, and, and, and it's not even... I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't know, but a lot of it is stuff that I did know. I just never looked at it in this particular context because you always see stuff when you're watching the shows from the characters' point of views. But to take a step back and see it from the historical, you know, textbook type of view, um, that, was, that was really interesting and uh, really sort of helped to contextualize what was what is in the series itself and I'm kind of looking forward to going back and rewatching the show with the knowledge that I've I've gained from this book. Mm-hmm. Obviously with a very specific like uh, regimented viewing order. Absolutely. That you that you'd like put together in Excel. Exactly. Yes. Okay. I, I've done that before. Don't that's not a joke. Anyway, um it's not a joke. So so Steve It's disturbing. Where can people find you on the internet? Um, they can find me at Hollersweet Media um, for the Triples and XC podcast. They can find me at GeneTShow.com um, for the Book of the Celestial Temple book club. Um, on Twitter, they can find me at MidnightShadow7, and that's with night spelled N-I-T-E, and it's the number seven. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you and, for having uh, me. Yeah, you're welcome back anytime. Thank you. Well, that was fun talking to Steve about stellar cartography, but that's not the only thing we're talking about 
this week on Trek.fm, so here's a taste of what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. Arena Commentary. They're like, everything is fine. It's, there's nothing. Just come down. We have fried chicken. <laughs> it's good. Earl Grey. Picard's Romances. You say it's not great, Philip, but what I think you mean is it's probably one of the most forgettable episodes <laughs> of the entire series. <laughs> the Ready Room. The Romulan War. That was, what, the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth episode of the original series, Lawrence Schneider. He invents the Romulans. That was the whole the whole genesis of it. And if they'd known that the Romulans might have been a recurring alien, they might not have given them those, you know, quote-unquote, expensive helmets. The Orb. Boogie. We find out, and Quark finds out, as we're talking about how he reacts and sort of comes to terms with what his mother's doing. She's the woman behind the curtain. She's the person who is calling the shots at the highest level of Ferengi society. To the journey! Ultimate Season 5 Marathon. You could argue brother and sister, but maybe more like your favorite uncle, who you once had a sex dream about. I don't know. <laughs> So that explains persistence of vision. Yeah. <laughs> Warp 5. Archer's Lost Loves. Not Dodge so much, it's just he's unsure of himself in that in that regard. He can be a starship captain, but a guy in love, mm, I don't know about that. Commentary, Trek Stars. The TNG Companion. He secretly doesn't know every time he replies to me on Twitter, I let out a little fan squeal on the other end. I play it cool, though. I play it cool, guys. <laughs> Um, no, I'm, I'm the same exact way, but I don't play it cool. By little fan squeal, you mean that sound Chekhov made. In the <laughs> continuing mission. The continuing mission audio drama. Our writer, David Raines, is a huge Lovecraft fan. And all of these Lovecraftian creatures are from outer space. And, you know, the Star Trek characters, they're always running into, you know, these godlike beings. But, you know, they're benevolent. Well, they're not benevolent, but, you know, they speak English and, you know, they look, look like William Campbell. And Literary Treks. Serpents among the ruins. We'll always help Paris. <laughs> wow, you just destroyed one of my favorite lines from my favorite movie ever huh. we'll always have Iron Mike <laughs> Paris oh, <God>. All right. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm so check out these shows to get in on all of the daily Trek talk we have new shows for you every day and you'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune or you can stream the, the files and download them right from our website you can also go to itunes.com slash trek.fm and you can find our new artist page. Or you could move to the apartment next to us and uh, put a glass to the wall and listen to us that way. You could do, it, you could do that too. That's probably the best way. Yeah, so any of these are great ideas. Any of these will work. Um, we're very easy to find and uh, check, check us out. Yeah. Just go to trek.fm. We're there. Okay, so you know we talked a lot about the history of the 24th century and the 23rd century and all those things. And all of the centuries preceding it. This week. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of Star Trek that, that uses real world history to tell its stories. And, and there's a book on that on audible 
com called Star Trek and History. And you can get that book for free since you're a listener to Trek.fm. It's uh, edited by Nancy Reagan. And it's narrated by Kim McKean. And it's uh, unabridged, 12 hours and 55 minutes long. And here's, here's the description. For a series set in our future, Star Trek revisits the past constantly. Kirk and Spock battle Nazis, Roman gladiators, and witness the Great Depression. When they're not doubling back on their own earlier timelines, the crew uses the holodeck to spend time in the American Old West or Victorian England. Alien races have their own complex and fascinating histories, too. The Star Trek universe is a sci-fi imagining of a future world that is rooted in our own human history. Gene Roddenberry created a television show with a new world and new rules in order to comment on the social and political issues of the 1960s. Filled with fascinating historical comparisons, Star Trek in History is an essential companion for every Star Trek fan. And you can get this book for free on audible.com since you listen to Trek FM. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have the time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek.fm listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic books you've yet to read or the latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank you and Audible for supporting Commentary, Trek Stars, and Trek.fm. So, I've been told that we may have gained a listener or two in the past couple weeks. Yeah, I think one of them is named Dave. And we'd like to say thank you, Dave. Yeah. Um, we Good hope, choice, Dave. We hope you enjoy the show. And uh, if, if you do enjoy the show... Um, you might also enjoy our other show, which we do on our own website, which is uh, Commentary Track Stars Off Topic. On com- also, if you don't like the show, because it is different. It is different. It's on CommentaryTrackStars.com. Not Track Stars, but Track Stars. Yes. CommentaryTrackStars.com. And basically, it's the two of us, along with our friend Brandon, talking about basically whatever we want to talk about, but it's usually related to movies or TV shows or comic books. Um, it's kind of like what this show is when we don't have the mics turned on. Very informal, very conversational. Uh, we swear a lot more, so that could be good or bad, depending on your uh, personal preference. And, I know you do. Uh, I do. I swear about the same about Okay, I swear a lot more. Uh, Brandon swears a lot more. And uh, it's it's whatever. It's it's a fun show. It's a lighthearted. It's you know, it's commentary track stars after dark in a sense. You know, maybe not. Not bad. Okay. That's not it. That's a bad description. <laughs> it's something. Is it, well, you, whatever. Find out for yourself. Go to commentarytrackstars.com. It is a, it is a laid back <clears throat> environment in which we talk about whatever we feel like talking about, including mm-hmm. things that we don't really want to talk about. But there are three people in the room, so right. Like, for so, example, Gotham. Don't care at all. Okay. Well, you know what? I do, so we will. Anyway, take a listen over there. 
uh, it's a nice change of pace if you want to get out of the Star Trek world for a little bit, just a little bit. Why would uh, you? I don't know why you would, but we talk about Star Trek a lot on there, too. Yeah. So, so, so go check it out. It, it's fun. Uh, you can find us there. You can also find us right here on Trek.fm where we do this show every week. And I also do Standard Orbit with Drew. Mm-hmm. And you can find us on Twitter at ComTrackStars. Or you can email us at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. And that's another thing. If you did just discover us or if you've been listening to us for years, send us an email or a tweet and say, Hey, I like your show. Or, Hey, you guys are really bad. We'll take either one. We just like hearing from people. Mm-hmm. So uh, drop us a line. Let us know what you think, and uh, and 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 we'll, we will respond for sure. So, uh, all right, that's it for this week. Next week we will be back with our grand finale to our Larry Nemechek series, where we we will be talking to the man himself, Larry Nemechek. Mm-hmm.